passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. I am Taylor Davis. I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Jason Campbell. And I am so excited right now. If you haven't been able to tell, it uh it feels it's like Christmassy. Well, nah, I won't go that far because I think like first day of season is really more Christmas day, Christmas Eve vibe. So I'll say today is like Thanksgiving Eve, you know, like still feels like there's a holiday tomorrow because the NFL draft is finally upon us. It's always so exciting just to kind of watch the whole thing unfold. So feels super exciting that uh, football football's in the air. You know what I mean? So uh, we're excited to talk all about it. This is going to be a draft happy episode because that's what we should be talking about this week. And uh, in comes Mr. Jcam to add some personal insight to the matter. Jason, the night before your draft, what what were you what were you feeling what were you doing like what was that night like in anticipation of the following day i'll tell you what taylor uh hello everybody uh to me i would probably say the the night before for me was you know you get ready to take a big test and you have this yes. you have to make this this a on this test or you got to make this b on this test you've been studying uh-huh. so hard for like and when you're in college, you know, some classes only give you a test like once every four weeks. And so it feels kind of like that, like you're ready to kind of like go ahead and take the test and get it over with. And when it mm-hmm. comes to the draft, you're kind of ready to just see where, what city you're going to be living in, what yeah. team you're going to be playing for and get that behind you and get moving forward. So, you know, it's a little bit of nerves and uh, which is understandable. You know, your whole life is about to change and uh you're finally becoming an adult. It was different for me. I kind of had an inclement of where I was going. You know, yeah. like, like I say this, when you kind of feel like you're going in the first round, you know, it can be anywhere from one to 32. You just don't know. Right. But that's a different feeling than having to sit and not understand if you're going to be second, third, fourth, fifth, or seventh. That's a totally different ball game. Certainly something that uh, is is relevant right now for a lot of these guys that are, you know, sitting here wondering if their entire life is about to change tomorrow. Maybe it'll be Friday. Maybe it'll be Saturday. Maybe it'll be something that they still have to work for in free agency and beyond. But either way, it's a huge weekend, and it's always a lot of fun to kind of see that next generation see that dream come true. So we are going to talk all about what we anticipate is going to happen, especially for our Auburn guys and uh, really just the top five in general, because I want to get Jason's input on all of that. But before we get going, of course, we're going to tell you guys about our sponsors. 
Let's first start out with our newest sponsor, Monster Bass. We're so excited about our newest sponsor, Monster Bass, the fun and affordable way to get the best new baits from the fishing industry's top brands delivered to your door each month. It's a premium subscription fishing company that handpicks the best baits based on where you live and fish. No more guessing on which baits are going to work. You can leave it to the pros at Monster Bass. So it's basically like having your own personal fishing guide, and it's changing the way bass fishermen shop for baits. They're quickly becoming the number one fishing brand of anglers everywhere. They've got the best baits, the best brands, and you're covered by the industry's best customer service. So if you want to catch bigger bass this season, head over to monsterbass.com and use our code Auburn10, and you're going to get $10 off your first box. So again, monsterbass.com, use the code Auburn10 and get $10 off your first box. And of course, our other sponsor, always loyal, Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. You just have to head to the website betonline.ag, or you can use your mobile device to sign up today and you're going to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So again, betonline.ag, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All right, now that we've uh, attended to all the business at hand, let's talk draft, everybody. It is upon us beginning tomorrow, or maybe it's today, depending on when you're listening to this episode. Coming to you from... Cleveland this year, beginning Thursday at 7 p.m. Central with the first round, uh, followed by rounds two and three on Friday and four through seven, wrapping it up on Saturday. So let's start with the Auburn guys. We have obviously talked about them, you know, previously. We've had some of them on this show as they were working their way and and kind of training up to this point. But I want to get your Last minute thoughts on these guys' expectations, predictions uh, for these Auburn hopefuls heading into tomorrow. So obviously there are several Auburn guys that are looking to enter the NFL in whatever capacity that looks like. But when you're talking draft, I think the expectation and, and the likelihood is, is the four guys, Seth Williams, Anthony Schwartz, Jamie and Sherwood, and KJ Britt. And guys like Eli Stove, Christian Tut, and Jordan Peters are being predicted more frequently of, of free agency and going that route. So let's start with Seth, Anthony, Jamie, and, and KJ. Uh, which I'll start here. Which one do you anticipate will be drafted the earliest? What Auburn guy do you think will hear their name called first this weekend? That's a great question, Taylor. I, um, honestly, over this time, uh dissecting the last four months of leading up to the draft i've always thought that kj Britt would probably go the highest just because uh-huh. participating in the senior bowl and he has such a great week of practice but anthony swartz had such a great pro day and ran yeah. such a, fa- a fast time and then you know them kind of hearing about how these guys really didn't run like you know certain routes that you see in a route tree for, for teams you know at the next level I think kind of helped them in the aspect where they're saying like, shoot, this guy ran so fast, his speed is there. 
and we can teach them how to run the, the routes and the route tree and, and things that we're going to do within our offense. And, and the game is so predicated off speed nowadays. And people always want to put pressure on the defensive backs. They want to, you know, run those guys down the field and see if they can track the ball in the air. And, and when you see guys like Anthony Swartz and his speed and what he brings to the table, they always say speed kills because it does. Because mm-hmm. anytime you can take the top off the defense and you can utilize play action pass and suck up those backers and those safeties, they hesitate one second with a guy like like Anthony Sports who reminds you of Tyreek Hill type speed. Yeah. It's over. He's gone. If you snooze, you lose. That's what we say in the game. So if he's even, he's leaving. Let the ball go. And that's and that's the thing that when you think about Swartz, so they've got him projected as high as second round now. And yeah. uh by you know by Todd Mache and so to me that's that was huge because and they have him going to Cleveland so yep. you know so if that happens I guess Odell Beckham would probably be moved uh, just because they already have a couple of other guys there and and they would probably move Odell to somewhere else and then for Seth uh, Seth they have right now is that's probably fourth round and yeah a lot of that has to do he's a big body but he doesn't have the speed that Anthony has, but he can high point the ball. And like you said, it hurt him the fact that they didn't have a route tree because they don't yeah. know what kind of routes he can really run. And uh, so it's kind of reversal for Anthony Swartz. So I, I think Seth, you know, it's a guy that uh, he can land around that fourth round. KJ Britt, this is shocking. I, I didn't see this coming. They have him going as like seventh round. And I, was I just saw like, a list of multiple predictions, and the highest one was round three, and all the rest of them were six or seven. It was like a complete jump. There was one prediction of him going round three, and the rest were late picks. And I've been surprised by that, too. I think why the draft is always so interesting is because it it sometimes seems like what teams decide they want fluctuates so much leading up to this time. And, and there's also so many, it's different per organization. Don't get me wrong, but for a lot of them, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, if you will. There's a lot of people within organizations, not just coaching staff, but ownership, management. I mean, like there are so many voices that have to be heard when making this decision that it changes a lot. And I think KJ is a prime example of that because coming off his senior bowl, I think there was a lot more discussion about him. And then the closer that we've gotten to the draft and I guess, you know, deciphering where people are going to land. Unfortunately, it seems like like he's kind of dropped off a little bit in um, in that hype. But I, w- I want to point out something with Schwartz real quick before we get off that, because you made a really good point about what people are, are starting to see in him. And I think a lot of people are seeing their – you know, ability to match his potential with scheme or approach. And I think he is coming into the draft and into the league in general at a really – great time for his personal game because I think we're in an era of the NFL where innovative modern offenses are winning they're thriving Mm -hmm. look at the I mean Andy Reid Andy Mm Reid takes risks on the offensive side of the ball Kyle Shanahan does too like I think you're seeing it across the board that these offensive minded kind of new way of of the NFL guys on the on the offensive side are really finding success right now and so I think when 
when you look at a guy like Anthony Schwartz with, you know, his unique skill set, obviously that speed, but he's not the biggest guy. I think at times, several years back, he very well could have been overlooked. But now I think he's entering the league at a time that intrigue is higher on him because of the culture on the offensive side of the ball right now. Yeah, I'm talking about you're exactly right. And when you think about defenses nowadays, they can't touch anyone past five yards. You know, right. within those five yards, they can jam you up a little bit. But once it's out the five yards, you know, you can't get called for a legal touching if you got your hands on on the receiver. So yeah. that's the other thing that helps these offenses nowadays. And that's why so many points going up because it's almost like pass scale, where it's just seven yeah. on seven out in the open field, except for the guys at the, at the defensive line and offensive line position are fighting for seconds to get to the quarterback and to protect the quarterback. So, mm-hmm. but other than that, though, it's, it's you know, hey, who can go out there and win seven on seven? And that's the thing that helps Swartz in this situation. I think where hurts KJ is, KJ is one of those old school linebackers where yeah. he sticks his head in a hole, he stops to run, he's physical. And nowadays with so much finesse offense and so much spread, it spread guys out and, and move the ball over the field. It puts him out in an open space, which I still think, you know, he can cover, but they're looking at it like this. Okay. Third down is the key down in the NFL. It's the money down as we call it. And the money down is where you make your money at and where you can also lose your money. And can you cover backside of the backfield on third and five on third and four when they're running halfback options and you got to cover these quick backs and everything. They're looking at that aspect. But to me, this guy's a football player. Like, that's what you have now in the games where you take one linebacker off the field and bring in another corner when you know it's a third down and situation where they're going to be running some of these option routes and different things. But, you know, we'll see what happens with him. Uh, Still, hopefully he ends up in one of those earlier rounds. Uh, When you think about Jeremy Sherwood, this guy's a headhunter. He's a hitter. Um, You know, a couple teams come to mind, Green Bay, Kansas City. Uh, teams that actually like need some safety help. And when I think about this guy, man, Jeremy, he can feel the hole and he doesn't run away from contact. And the thing for him is, can he get, find a defense where he can be a solid player on a veteran defense to give him an opportunity to, to develop a little bit more cover skills, but from a physical standpoint, there's no question. So mm-hmm. no, those are the four guys real, realistically that we kind of look at getting drafted. Um, I understand Peters, Jordan Peters. He's an athletic guy. He's mm-hmm. a special team specialist. Like he can block punts. He can. He has a knack for getting his hand on the ball, and he could. He could definitely find a way on someone's football team if he's not drafted because of that aspect. Like special teams is a key part of the game, and he does that really, really well. So I don't want him to, you know, get so caught up into what's going on or that because. He just needs to focus on, okay, I need to do my best when training camp starts, when mini camps come. That's when I need to show my best input and my specialty because he can make years in the NFL just on that aspect alone. Yeah, absolutely. I think a few of them could. But that's one thing that I also love about the draft is that whether you're an early pick or a late pick or whether you don't hear your name called, it's the beginning of your story. And we then get to see how it all plays out. How many times have we seen early picks become complete busts often? How many times have we seen late picks or initial free agents show out and have 10-year careers also often? The nature in which you start your career is not necessarily guaranteed to be the ending. And I, I love getting to see how all of it is established, but that is what they all have to remember. If you're one of these guys that's hearing your name called 
top 10, you know, what a huge blessing, but you got to work your tail off to prove that that was valid. And if you are picked mid or later, you got to work your tail off to prove that you should have been earlier. Like either way, there is work to be done from this point forward to make it whatever you think you are deserving of. And that is always incredibly exciting to get to witness. And I think a lot of the time, not always, but a lot of the time, Auburn produces athletes that want to work. Auburn, Auburn produces and creates men and women that are appreciative of working hard and seeing the fruits of your labor. And I think we often see that in guys that go on to that next level, but were molded at Auburn. And that this is something that you can speak directly to. How did you feel? And obviously you were one of those guys that had, you know, your, your fate essentially shown to you earlier in the draft, which I'm sure is a, a huge relief, but you knew what work lied ahead of you. How did Auburn help you face that reality at the next level? Yeah, Auburn is uh, definitely one of those places that, you know, we believe in hard work and we work hard and everything we get, we feel like we have to go and earn it. And that's the same way. Once I got to the NFL, that aspect didn't change for me. Uh, I felt like I was well prepared for the NFL. I felt like, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like we work too hard at Auburn at times uh, just because you would be so sore and tired two days before a game. Um, but overall, I feel like playing in the SEC – you see so many of those guys you played against in college at the next level. You know, we are the most comfort conference that has the most NFL players in the NFL. So, you know, that speaks volume for itself. So that's why I always tell guys, when you're playing on Saturday, you're playing against a lot of guys you're going to see at that next level. And that's, so true. And, and that's the thing that keeps you kind of encouraged and keeps you pumped up and, and keeps you going. But like you said, when you're drafted early, it is a lot of pressure. And uh, you, you have to find ways to, to block out the pressure and still go in there and fight and, and claw and act like you wasn't drafted at all and have that type of mentality to play for a long time at that level. And some guys get in there, and once they get the money, they get comfortable in three, four years, they're out the league. And you're like, dang, this guy was a top 15 pick. That's because mm -hmm. his heart wasn't in it from a playing standpoint. It's almost like once he got his payday, he checked out. And, uh, and, and see, guys at Auburn, we're built differently. And, mm -hmm. and for me, it was always – I play for the love of the game. And yes, I want to be able to take care of my family. I want to be able to be secure financially after I'm done playing ball. So my goal was when I went in was 10 years. That's my goal. I literally said that when I sat down in the locker. And then when I got to the 10 years, I had the opportunity to play another two years. But at that time, my knee was messed up. Uh, I was tired of changing offenses and turning, changing cities. And I was just like, hey, you know what? I want to do something else. My heart wasn't all the way there. And I didn't want to step onto a football field, not being in a level to play at that level. You have to be mentally engaged and physically engaged at all times. And yeah. I think the one thing that these guys can understand is Auburn for us, we was the first backfield ever in college football to be all drafted in the first round. Uh, wow. I say Carnell, um, Ronnie and myself, like that spoke a lot of volumes. And then Carlos Rogers was drafted in the first round as well, top 10. So, you know, that meant a lot to us because it meant a lot to Auburn program. 
that is certainly awesome to think back to kind of the lineage of, of Auburn in the NFL and, and how it's worked out for so many of you guys. And, and uh, the thing you all have in common is, is Auburn. And I think that that's, that's really encouraging. I kind of want your input on not a negativity about these guys, but something that you think they will have to fine tune to make that transition to the league. Because while I do think you kind of have a, a bit of a leg up coming, I mean, you and so many other guys we've had on the show have said that coming from the SEC really prepares you for the NFL because of the level of competition you face week in and week out. So they're coming in with that, but all of these guys, every athlete has an aspect of their game that they could still improve on. Nobody's freaking perfect. So each of these, the big, we'll stick with the big four that we've been talking about, Seth Schwartz, Sherwood, and and KJ, what is something that you would anticipate they will really need to improve upon and develop for them to find real success in the league? So let's start with Seth Williams, obviously was our you know, big body, usual target for Bo Nix, that big receiver. I'm sure his highlight tape is so impressive because the guy had so many big, improbable catches. I mean, even back to that Oregon game a couple seasons ago, he had several last season, and he, he's he got that wow factor about him that you you think it's, it's going to translate really well. I think there were some times – last season, the season before that we saw some inconsistencies from Seth. And I think he, when you establish yourself as one of those known targets, one of those big, deep threats, he's going to be in double coverage. And I think that sometimes he wasn't as consistent in those situations as he could be. There were several hit in the hand type situations. And I don't know if that was a mental thing for him. If you're capable of it, you're capable of it. And I think Seth is, he just got in his own way sometimes. Yeah. I think when it comes to Seth, I, I, I would say this about Seth, like he can go up and high point a ball with the best of them. The thing that gets Seth in trouble is he doesn't have a short-term memory sometimes. And what I mean by that is sometimes he lets a bad play leads to another bad play. And he's got to be able to put that play behind him. He drop a pass, Put it behind him. If you mess up on a route, keep going. You know, don't don't let it get to don't let it get to you. Don't don't let your emotions from a sideline standpoint show people that you're frustrated. And I think what kind of got him a little bit this year was going against the Horn kid from South Carolina. Uh, you know, the Horn kid kind of frustrated him a little bit. He got him a little bit, caused Seth to kind of become out come out of his character and and different things. And and you're gonna get that all the time at the next level. Like guys gonna try to this intimidation thing and they're going to try to get in your head to do everything. They're going to say things to you to get you off of your game. So you got to be smarter than them and just understand like this is part of their process. This is part of their niche is to get you off, get you off tilt. And the other part was when you against 13, you know, you play against 13 against Alabama and here goes another top 10 corner, top 15 corner. So, you know, is how you show up against those type of guys that they look at the most when it comes to the tape and the film. And like I said, it's unfortunate that he wasn't able to run certain routes within our offense last year. But at the same time, from a physical standpoint, he's got to show at the next level that he can get off the line of scrimmage, get off press, and still find a way to get open uh, on his routes, on his route combination. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk Schwartz. We've, we've kind of talked in depth about what his – 
you know, potential is out there. I, I think some people question his size a little bit. I personally don't given what he would be utilized for, but what is something that you think he could really improve upon that would increase his chances of having an impact for a team? Yeah, he's definitely gonna have to be one of those guys that with his type of speed that run those crossing routes. And I mean, like those third and five, we call them drive routes in, in the pros. And he's gotta be a guy when people are running two man and running man. Uh, coverage. He's got to find a way to get open on those drag routes and catch the ball in traffic and still be able to turn up field. That's the one thing I think we noticed with him at Auburn is sometimes he didn't like those balls when he was running those crossing routes. Right. The tendency to to drop a drop a few of those, and uh, that's something at the next level he's got to understand. Like those are critical moves. Like yes, you can take the top off a of defense and catch the ball down the field, but can you catch those short routes and turn them into huge plays? Because you're not afraid to go over the middle. You're not afraid to get hit uh, across between the numbers. And I think if he can improve that aspect of his game and he can learn the routes the route combination of getting off press because of his size. If he can get off press, the difference between him and Tyreek Hill is Tyreek is a big guy. Like if people don't realize how strong he is. And mm -hmm. I think Seth, he's, and, and I think Swartz, he's so fast that he's got to show people that at the next level, the one thing they're going to do is get in his face because they don't want him to get his top speed before they can have an opportunity to flip their heels. So what's the next mm -hmm. thing you do? You get inside his – you get in within three to four yards of the line of scrimmage and you try to get a hand on him before he can even get going. And that's how you try to take a guy out of the game that has a lot of speed. So he's got to get bigger and stronger from that aspect so that he can neutralize himself when he's going to get some bigger DBs to be able to still utilize his speed and get open. Absolutely. All right, let's talk safety. Jamie and Sherwood, obviously, like you've said, good physical guy. He's a, a big kind of explosive safety. I think at times you kind of see, uh, I guess, a setback is speed sometimes. He's a little slower in transitioning, especially in man coverage. I think that's something that could be harped upon. But he's kind of been a quieter name, I would say, leading up to the draft. I don't think mm -hmm. that there's been as much conversation that that would warrant uh, you know, him going earlier, which is why a lot of people are, are predicting him in later rounds. But uh, what would be an aspect that you think is is maybe creating that hesitancy from clubs? I'll say with Jeremy, it, it wouldn't shock me at some point in his career that he makes a roster and gets drafted higher and makes a roster that in his third or fourth year that you may see him playing a linebacker. Okay. And I only say that because the way that he loves to hit and he's not afraid of contact is the thing that gets him in trouble sometimes is trying to make those tackles in open space because he's going for yeah. those knockout hits sometimes. And sometimes you can miss some, miss some tackles in open space. And I would probably say the other thing is, like you said, like he's not the fastest guy. So sometimes at the next level, they would try to create plays and stuff where you got to cover the tight ends like Travis Kelsey and, you know, and Gronk's not in his prime anymore. But then you look at other guys in the NFL, like even Kyle Pitts is going to the league now. Like these guys are guys that they're not just looked at as blocking tight ends anymore. Tight ends in the NFL are sometimes your number two receiver on the roster. Yeah. And yeah. so as a safety, you have got to be able to come down in the box five to 10 yards and you got to be able to cover these guys in space one-on-one -on -one. and especially on third down, which we call the money down. Like they will put a circle around you and say, okay, this week, this is the guy that we're trying to attack. So if he can, in his career that he can cover the tight ends one-on-one -on -one in open space that he prolongs his career because that's the aspect for him it's not about physical for him it's going to be 
can he utilize the cover skills and get better at that aspect? And then with KJ, you know, we've talked a good bit about him. And obviously, I think his draft stock has maybe digressed a little bit or so it seems. We'll we'll see what happens this weekend. But, you know, I don't know how much of that has to do with unfortunately him not being on the field this past year like Mm -hmm. as as beneficial as the senior bowl was to see him go out and and show out and show how athletic I mean this is a beast of a human I mean like he is in fantastic shape he is very athletic and has taken great care of himself even through injury you also don't know if you know organizations are hesitant because of his injury you know resume um but I I think that you know having that senior bowl can only do so much it's not a real game it's not your typical um execution I think he he took full advantage of the opportunity but the opportunity isn't as great as a real season so I don't know how much of this is because they don't have as relevant, timely examples of where he stands right now. I fully think this is going to be somebody that maybe the story doesn't begin where he would want in one of the early rounds. But I think that he has the makings of somebody to be a really solid, reliable piece of a roster moving forward and and really be a staple of an organization if he just finds the right fit. Yeah, exactly. I think what hurting KJ is, like you said, he doesn't have a film of 2020 to be so, to be seen. And it, it, it definitely hurts because teams are wondering, like, okay, where's he really at from a health standpoint? And, you know, we saw him in the senior bowl. We were limited in what we could do in the senior bowl. We couldn't blitz him. We couldn't line up in different coverages and line up in different offensive sets and see if his guy can cover in space. So there's a lot of question marks from that aspect. That's why some wonder if he would come back for another year at Auburn yeah. or will he transpire. Could you imagine if he did come back, him, Owen Papo, and uh, and our other guy, um, McLean? Like, oh, my goodness. Oh, like, I wish. Oh, that would be crazy. But the aspect of him transitioning to the NFL, it's just the reason he dropped is those question marks because – this guy's a football player and he's a leader. And I think if he can end up with someone like a Baltimore franchise, a team that plays his style football, where it's three clouds in the dust on both sides of the ball. And they believe in tough defense and they believe in uh, running the ball on offense and play action pass. I think he will do very well, especially like Pittsburgh Steelers is another group that I can see him getting drafted as a linebacker to, to one of those teams. And if he can end up, at places with a great defense coordinator and they still believe in physical football, that's his style of ball. And that's his, that's his MO and and he can survive in that type of atmosphere. Now, the thing is for him is just don't get so caught up in what happens on draft day to a point. Like if something, if you get drafted higher than you expected, great. Boom, boom, keep going. If you don't get drafted as high as you thought you would, don't get down on yourself and look at yourself and say, well, dang, like I lost my confidence. Like, why, why did I get drafted higher? Like, don't worry about that. That's, that's, that's not the, your, that's not your resume. Like the thing is you don't get to make it a turn. You don't get to determine where you go. You're not a free agent where you get to choose where you can go and play. You're getting drafted based off what someone else think of you at this standpoint. It doesn't mean this is your overall. It's just at this standpoint. And so for him, I just want to see him be confident either way because I think he's a solid football player. And I think he's a solid person. I think he can be a leader on a team 
given the time and given the opportunity to grow and to show himself that he is healthy and to show himself that, hey, I can cover these guys out of the backfield. So it's just a wait and see type of thing with him. But I, I, I really yeah. do like what KJ brings to the table. I do too. And I think an organization will be lucky to have all of these guys because of the work ethic and, and kind of the foundation that they've all laid. And I'm super excited to see how it all plays out for those guys tomorrow. I'm also super excited to see how the top five plays out top 10 really, but we're going to stick with the top five because it's been such a rotating wheel of information. What's going to happen? Who's going where? And I want your input. I wouldn't say that anyone's questioning number one and number two fully expect. I mean, you can argue with me if you'd like, but fully expect number one, Trevor Lawrence to the Jags. Number two, BYU, Zach Wilson to the Jets. Those seem all but locked in. But then we look three through five, and I think that that's going to be interesting. What San Francisco chooses to do with their now number three pick that they now have. I've seen several different reports that there's a lot of people within the organization that are really high on Trey Lance and and they want to go that route, but that Kyle Shanahan is pretty sold on Mac Jones, but there's still Justin Fields out there. The fact that Justin Fields has kind of slipped back. I mean, there's a lot of mock drafts that Justin Fields will go to the Panthers at number eight. I just, I did not see this coming, especially after the national championship game and his performance in postseason there, but Trey Lance has really kind of risen to the to the forefront for a lot of people. So what do you anticipate the 49ers will do with the number three? I think the 49ers, this is one. I, I think I really do. I don't think it's smoke. I think Cal Shanahan really does like Matt Jones. And I'm telling you uh-huh. why. Matt Jones played under, um, what's the guy that just went to Texas? I'm Sarkeesian. Sarkeesian. Who else played under Shark? Matt Ryan played under Shark. Who else did Matt Ryan play under? He played under Kyle Shanahan. So mm. there's so many different connections right there where he's seen Matt Jones in his offense for years. So he's seen Matt Ryan in his offense. Matt Ryan is not the most athletic guy. Matt Ryan is not the guy that runs around and get first downs with his legs. Matt Ryan is the guy that operates the offense. In the year that Kyle Shanahan had him in Atlanta, they went to the Super Bowl because of that passing attack and the running game that they had. And so he's looking at it like, okay, I have a defense. I have a run game. I have receivers. I just need someone to operate my offense. And he doesn't have to be a stellar athlete. He just got to be able to run the offense like Matt Ryan did when he had him in Atlanta when they went to the Super Bowl. So that helped Matt Jones a lot. And the fact that the shark coached Matt, Matt Ryan, and when Matt put up big numbers in his offense, and then he went to Alabama, he coached Matt Jones. It worked out for Matt Jones to now drop from jump from a, second round pick or top late first round to the top five pick just off because the offenses that he ran and the people that coached him is have similar offenses at the next level. So I definitely think he ends up going to the 49ers. I'd be shocked if he doesn't because of the Matt Ryan comparison for him. All right. I like it. So then where do you anticipate those other quarterbacks could land? Yeah, the thing with me, I, I know everyone's high off the Wilson kid from BYU because he has a big arm and, you know, everyone say he's a gunslinger. And I think because people seem what Mahomes have done with a big arm, let's not forget, Mahomes has Andy Reid. Mahomes also has three of the top four fastest receivers in the National Football League. 
and mm-hmm. one of the best tight ends in the National Football League. So it's not just all Mahomes. Like, uh, yeah. these guys can play. These guys around him can play. And you have the best play caller in, play, in pro football. This guy, every quarterback that's ever played for him has gone to the Pro Bowl. So that says a lot. So if you put Mahomes in Cleveland or you put Mahomes in some of these other places, is he the same Mahomes about what Andy Reid can dial up and bring to the table? I personally just don't – I don't I, – I don't. I think he's a, still would be a great quarterback, but I don't think he'd be at this level that he's at right now. Like, he has an experienced guy that's been coaching the league for years and has done it the right way for years. And that pays huge dividends. So, I don't know if the Wilson kid goes to the Jets that early. Like, I understand they like him. Mm-hmm. They, probably, they probably will take him. But my thing is, why not take Justin Fields? Justin Fields, he's an athletic guy. Okay, you're trying to put seats in the stands. He's a proven winner. He's won. He's played against Clemson in the in the playoff system, and then he pretty much breaks his ribs. And then the next week, he fights through that in the game and wheels his team to a victory. And then he comes back the next week, and he plays against Alabama in the national championship game mm-hmm. where their defense just couldn't stop them at all. But he still came back and played and showed his toughness and showed his athleticism. And the kid has been right behind Trevor Lawrence ever since they was in high school in Georgia. It's always yep. been him and Trevor Lawrence. I was just like, so I was like, so he, it's not like he's fell off of that spotlight. Like he's kept gradually improving as well. And he beat Trevor Lawrence, but I understand Trevor is more of your prototype quarterback yeah. with a big arm. So he's going number one to Jacksonville. So I don't understand why Justin Fields is falling to like number five behind Wilson and behind the kid from, from North Dakota. Trey Lance. It's a, Trey Lance. So I don't understand it. I don't, I definitely don't see him going to Carolina. They just made the trade for Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold still was a first round pick. They still okay. have to pay him a great salary. So don't get your hopes up, Taylor. I know you're in <laughs> Carolina, it. but I just have to doubt your hopes right there. That's smoke stream because I think the Patriots will try to trade up and maybe try to, go get Justin Fields and bring him to New England and have him to learn a year behind Cam before having to take the Rams. I'm very curious to see how all of this kind of shapes up. It's been, it's just changed so much. And there's been so many, you know, conspiracy theories even <laughs> thrown out about what people are going to do. And that's also why I like the draft. So we can stop freaking like conceptualizing and actually talk about what reality is what about Falcons at number four what do you think I mean all expectations are that they're going to get Kyle Pitts do you think that's what they do that's where it gets very interesting Mm. Justin Fields is from I yeah Atlanta area yep over in like the Marietta side So they have been talking about maybe moving on from Matt Ryan at some point. I don't think it's this year. Now, so my thing is either they probably going to trade Julio Jones, which I think is going to happen during the draft. Yeah. Either they go get Devontae Smith at this pick or Mm. they may get Kyle Pitts at this pick because that means they're probably going to keep Matt Ryan and probably wait on a quarterback. But if they go and they get Justin Fields at this pick, watch out. They probably going to make another trade with Julio and try to come back and get one of these younger receivers as well. So that's where it gets interesting. That's why I say I think it's a smoke screen with him going to Carolina. If he ends up in the NFC South, it would be with Atlanta. That's 
I personally don't want to see that happen as a Panthers fan. Um, I understand the whole Sam Darnold thing. That one shocked the crap out of me. Let me just tell you, <laughs> didn't see that one coming. And I still don't think that that's the answer. I was very surprised by that. And I don't see how that fixes many of our problems the same way that I don't see how Kyle Pitts really fix any of the Falcons problems. I mean, he's a fantastic athlete. I got to cover him last year in a couple Florida games and he's as good as advertised. Let me tell you, I mean, he is a big, body reliable target his blocking has improved a lot he's still a little skinnier maybe he's beefed up in the offseason but when he was on the line blocking you you could tell his size difference he's got the height but he he could certainly uh bulk up a little bit but I, I mean he's he's fantastic and he's going to be a weapon but like when you look back at the Falcons past few seasons and you look at their result and then you look at their roster it doesn't make freaking sense and yes they've been going through all the coaching hoopla and and that was obviously such a big part of it so they you know claim but you've got guys like Julio Jones which I know he's been dealing with injuries so he wasn't as much of a threat but Calvin freaking Ridley is was dominant, and I, that was never their issue. They had no run game. I mean, Todd Gurley was was not the answer there. So I think that something's got to happen with the run game. But Matt Ryan was not what he has been. I, I'm sorry, and their line is a big problem. So I just don't see where another crazy target at four. It is what you need or or what fixes the equation. I totally think a Justin Fields to Atlanta makes way more sense and actually creates ripples in a direction that they need to see real change. I just don't think that Kyle Pitts does a whole lot. I mean, yeah, he's fantastic and he's probably going to show out in the league, but like offensive weapons, you had those and you still couldn't do anything with them. He's not, he, he's not the solution there, I don't think. Yeah, and that's where it gets interesting. That could be the pick that New England makes the trade to get Justin Fields. So either Atlanta takes him or New England trades up at that pick and try to take Justin Fields because San Francisco, either going with Matt Jones, Justin Fields is not going to San Francisco, I can tell you Yeah, that. no. Because RG3 played in his offense and Shanahan's offense and they're uh -huh. similar style quarterbacks coming out of college. And I don't think Shanahan wants to deal with more of a running quarterback with the threat of – he's already – you know, been dealing with Garoppolo, not playing so many games. He missed over 60% of the games. So, yeah. you know, he wants to make sure he got a guy in there that can be a sitting caller week in, week out. That's why I see Trey Lance could develop. If they don't take Matt Jones, Trey Lance could go to San Francisco. Then New England could move up to four and try to take Justin Fields. But if I'm Atlanta, I may take Justin Fields because he's a hometown kid. You're trying to put seats back in the stands. Matt Ryan is third to sit. So, you know, you're moving on within a year or two anyways. I would tell him if they trade that pick to New England, there goes Justin Fields. Yeah. Okay. We shall see. Really, when you look at all of the mock drafts and the predictions and a lot of things that people are saying for the top 10, they're all offensive players. Uh, and I, <laughs> I read that it, if that sticks, it would be the first time in 40 years at the yeah. NFL draft that a defensive player is not among the first seven selections. And in some of them, the first defensive player would be at pick nine. And if that comes to fruition, it'll be the latest defender drafted since 1957. Like this has mm -hmm. not been the case in a, in a really long time, as we know. And Even I don't Derek, understand that because I don't understand I know. that because there are some really, really, really like good defensive players. Like there are, yeah, but yeah, that's Michael what I'm Parsons. saying. Like, 
where the culture of the NFL is right now, it there's the pendulum has swung to the offensive side of the ball. Everyone's so offense happy right now because of all the evolution of, of quarterbacks and, and kind of of offensive scheme. I think everyone's just chomping at the bit to see what they can do on the offensive side and defense is just expected to remain solid, but it, the pendulum will swing back the other way as well. But I think there's a, there's a total parallel there between what we've been seeing play wise and now what what teams are eager to get and put in their offensive arsenal yeah but i think for your team carolina i think carolina digs right back into the state of alabama and they go get patrick certain well certain's okay. patrick certain's son because yeah he's a big corner yeah. and offensively you can put up points with the type of offense that they running in carolina but can you mm-hmm. stop someone and that's my thing okay you got big brown Derek brown from a year ago Yep. Now, if you go share up the corner position, oh, man, now you got a guy to travel with one receiver. Like, that helps your defense out so much. And it's between him and Horn, but I would probably go with Sertain just because his dad was such a stellar defensive back in the NFL for the Dolphins back in the years and played with the Chiefs as well. But when you think about what this kid has done in this system that they run at Alabama, he's a big, big corner. and. Yeah. I could see him making a huge difference, especially with all these big receivers that, that's now going into the NFL. Like, you need a big corner. And yeah. I would go with him. And Michael Parsons is probably the other defender that I could see being drafted inside the top 10 from Penn State, the number 11 linebacker. Uh, this kid can play, man. This kid is – he has a knack for the football. Look, I agree with you. And, and I like what you said for the Panthers. I think that the offensive line is more of an issue personally. I think if that Sewell kid from Oregon is still available at eight, you you definitely take a look at that because our offensive line has been a big issue in the past couple seasons. But it, it'll be interesting to see how all of it shapes out and and kind of what the next wave of, of NFL um, faces looks like. Well, before we close – Got a couple Auburn draft trivia questions for you. I think I did this Uh-oh. last year, but uh, we'll see. How many number one picks has Auburn had? Oh, ever? Yep. Mm. Ooh, uh, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with 35. Number one, not first round, number one overall. Oh, number one overall. Oh, <laughs> 35. Oh, okay. We're doing good. <laughs> <laughs> we should have first a round lot pick. more national championships <laughs> if that's the case. <laughs> number okay. one overall yeah. picks yeah. from Bo. Auburn. Let's see, Bo, we had the defensive lineman. We had Cam. I'm going to go with four. Oh, you are so close. We have had five. Oh. We had Ken Rice was the first. Okay, I missed him. Okay. Tucker Fredrickson, Bo Jackson, Andre Bruce, and Cam Newton. Yeah. Bonus, do you know what round Bo Jackson was drafted for MLB? Oh, nice. Thank you. Great question. Mm, Because I remember this because him and the – the big guy that played at Auburn as well, that played Major League Baseball. Both of them was two sports stars. The Big Hurt. The Big Hurt. And <laughs> it was always about 
the big three at that time, him, Barkley, and the big hurt. I would probably say he went first round, too, in baseball. He went fourth round. Hmm. Fun fact, and it was the Kansas City Royals. What up? Okay, yeah, I remember that much. I remember <laughs> yeah. the Royals. We got the team, but uh, yeah, fourth round MLB, first round NFL. Not too shabby. What NFL team has drafted the most players from Auburn in the past? Oh, Cincinnati Bengals. Nope. What? The Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals? Really? 23. Hmm. Auburn players have been drafted by the Cardinals. Wow. Fun fact. It's not a bad place to go play and live. I know that. So Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Well, certainly exciting to see how these trends and patterns continue. What new Auburn faces we are going to start to see in the league. It all gets going tomorrow. So that's going to wrap it up for us here on Believe in Everything Auburn. We are so grateful for all of you listening and following along Jason and I on this blue and orange journey that we like to call our podcast. Thank you so much for listening and following along each and every week. Make sure you tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your uh, hairdresser, whoever you see when you pass, tell them about our podcast. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a comment, a review, a war eagle, and join us each and every week as we continue to get closer and closer to football season. Everyone enjoy the draft. We'll be back next week to recap all of it. And as always, War Eagle. Well said about Taylor Davis, everybody. This is the <laughs> I Do Everything lady. She is very, very <laughs> occupied people. And she takes her time out to bring you the best of everything Auburn. And this week is the draft. So y'all continue Woo. to follow us. More to come. And good luck to all the Auburn guys. Of course. Peace out. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.